everyone. Welcome to Formed Together. I'm so glad that you stumbled across this podcast. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors at Reunion Christian Church in the greater Boston area. It's a church that is putting this podcast together. All right, everyone. I'm really excited today to be joined by uh, some of our friends here at Reunion. I want to welcome Russ and Ginger Smith to the podcast and just say thank you both so much for being here. If you went to our marriage retreat last year, you got the chance to hear from Russ and Ginger. But if you didn't, I would love for you both just to say, hey, and introduce yourself and let everyone know who's listening, maybe a chance to get to know you a little bit better and know who they're hearing from. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Reunion. We had a blast and it was honestly one of our favorite trips that we've taken to be able to go out to Boston and be with you guys and just experience the city. So I'm Russ, discipleship pastor at Owensboro Christian Church. And uh, we are, I'm a grandpa. He is, our grandson Jules is about 17 months old and that's just a blast. And during the pandemic, I have become an amateur chef, as all of us probably have. So, so there you have it. What's your, what's your go-to dish? So I love making scrambles. Okay. Yes. And so I have this dream of a food truck where all, all you can order is scrambles. Nice. Do you have a, do you have a funny name for it? Like, I feel like food trucks have nice. I feel like food truck and name puns just go together. Like they're supposed to be. Right. Awesome. Ginger, what about you? I'm Ginger Smith and I am a marriage and family therapist and I have a private practice here in Owensboro. So I see a lot of individuals, mostly women, and I see a handful of kids and a handful of marriages. So the pandemic has been some pretty intense job security. So I do not have any new hobbies. I'm just working. (laughs) Yeah, I I imagine it's been busy. it has. It has been. It's been busy. I I do some volunteer work and do some work through grants, working with refugees who are. Owensboro is a resettlement city, and so I am really getting, really getting excited about some funding that we've got. So I would, I'm really loving that right now. Awesome, awesome. That's very cool. And again, thank you both so much for being here. You're joining us again this year for the marriage retreat. So I want to give a quick plug to let anyone who's listening know. If you enjoy this podcast, if you love hearing from Russ and Ginger, you can hear from them more. Just text marriage to 617-415-4466 and you'll get signed up for that. We'd love to have you. But I wanted to have you both on here to not just talk about marriage, but relationships kind of as a whole. And especially your relationships in the midst of this social distancing, isolation, kind of the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. And for me, at least a lot of conversations that I seem to be having with couples and especially with married couples is about just kind of the extra stress and frustration that seems to be on their relationship right now. And I'm just kind of curious, have have you noticed that as well with, with your work within the church and within family therapy? Is that something that you have noticed? And if so, what, what kind of do you feel like is at the root of that, that's making that happen, especially in this season? I love this question. I would say, I mean, a a hearty, yes, absolutely. We're seeing this. 
I, you've probably, you know, read that same headlines, domestic violence stats are up. I would say that I am seeing couples that I haven't seen in over a year and they're coming back and I'm getting more and more and more referrals from marriages. And it is, it's starting to take its toll. I'll let Russ say a little bit more after, but, but I think from my perspective, an important root of it is when you think about when the quarantine first happened, when we were first starting to hear about the virus and shutting down, there was a pretty intense anxiety that we all carried about getting it and giving it and like the safety perspective of just trying to keep our community safe and our elderly family safe. And honestly, I, for me, I was scared mm -hmm. of getting it, scared of my children getting it. And I think in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you've taken any kind of basic psychology class, you know that. And, his, and, and that pyramid teaches that our very first and most important needs are safety and physical mm -hmm. needs. We've got to have a sense of that we are safe and that we have a home and that our air is free and we have food. And in the beginning of it, grocery stores were running out and we weren't really sure how quickly. And I remember on our way to a prayer vigil, a nurse friend, she was a nurse friend said, I feel like I need to turn the vents off because I'm afraid they're just getting germs through. I mean, we mm. were just so overwhelmed yeah. with that. And I think psychologically, when we're nervous about the, our safety, we kind of go into this panic mode and it made sense for all of us to hunker down. And it was almost like, not in a good way, but it was almost exciting, like an adrenaline of mm. keeping yourself safe. Well, if you work up Maslow's hierarchy of needs after you're sure that you're safe, then you start feeling like you need to have a sense of belonging and you need that love and acceptance and you have to have some purpose. And so you fast forward a year and here we all are closed in our homes and doing our jobs differently and our coping skills being impossible and our connection and our sense of belonging and our sense of purpose is all shifted. And so we're less maybe fearful about our safety and more feeling the disconnect. And I think that that is an important piece to understand when you're looking at our relationships in our marriages and in our communities as to, you know, root causes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think church-wise, so technology is a beautiful thing. And, and I think a lot of churches have had to scramble to figure out how, how are we going to keep people connected. But I think quickly, I, I know in our context, we learned that Zoom fatigue is a real thing mm -hmm. and that people didn't want to have to spend their day connecting for work and then try to connect socially. And, and so like, that was, that was a hard piece for us and, and that we were seeing and that, and that we're still seeing like, like we fortunately are back to doing some life services, but at a much smaller percentage and, and those kinds of things. And, and people are honestly, they're still hesitant right. to, to come back and to engage, um, and, and I think, I think some people are, are okay with the technology, but I, I think people are going to almost have to relearn how do I socially engage back into relationships that aren't my immediate relationships and the stress that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually talked about on our first podcast, 
just this truth that as we've been on zoom for a year, everything you do on zoom feels like a meeting. So we, we jumped in, you know, ginger, kind of like you were talking about, we were excited the first two weeks, we were going to be locked down for two weeks, get this thing finished off. In those two weeks, we were all going to get back in shape and go on a juice cleanse or whatever yeah. it was. Right. And we all zoomed every relative we've ever had and decided <laughs> we were going to re-engage with them. And two months later, we realized, oh, we, you know, you can't keep doing this. It's exhausting. Yeah. And now, 10 months after that, it's even more and more and more exhausting. Absolutely. I think that's something that's very, very true. Yeah. I mean, we even, we even tried to do, we did a couple of couples date nights via zoom with some game. We, one of our student pastors was really good at running online games. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, even though it was fun, it still felt like work. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so true. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not, I don't know, there's just a different feel to it than if I went out to eat with my friends, then I have to cook my dinner and then come sit in front of a computer. And I, I don't know what it is. It just always seems to have the vibe like you have to schedule a meeting and you're not just kind of spontaneously hanging out with people and, and building that connection. Yep. I think that's very I true. I read an article that talked about the dissonance that you feel in a meeting like this because mm. you're it, having eye contact is artificial and that feeling of connection that you have isn't there, but the visual is. And so there's a dissonance within, within you and you're in the process that it takes to connect with somebody. And that dissonance is, is cognitively exhausting. Really? That's, that's really, that's fascinating. It was fascinating. I wish I, I should have read up on it, but it, it was fascinating. I was like, this is, this is why mm. I'm so tired sitting on my butt all day on the telehealth. Yeah. So I actually read an article, I think it was by BBC, that said one of the reasons that people are so tired from Zoom meetings is that you see yourself. And most people don't have to consider how they look or, you know, what's going on, adjust their shirt or whatever it is. Yeah. While they're in, they don't, it just doesn't happen except when you are staring back at yourself yeah. through your entire meeting. Yeah. So I'm sure you put those two things together and that is. Oh, absolutely. And that's interesting. That has to be true because I, I, I pay for a, a HIPAA compliant website to use and on it is a feature to turn my own face off and I can just look. And if I have somebody's large face sitting in front of me and I can't see me, I can almost work through that. This is not in person. Right. It's very, it's a, it's strange times. And that it's is strange creating, like we said, a lot of stress in relationships, especially the added fear of just, you, you kind of never know, you know, you know, you don't know if you're safe, you're always trying to do the right things, but it always makes you feel on edge. And yeah, I'm just kind of curious. And I, I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about some of this at the marriage retreat, especially kind of cover it more exhaustively. But what would you say just to a couple who is struggling in their marriage right now? because of, you know, some of these stressors, but then just also everything that's going on, being stuck together, having to not see friends, whatever it might be, what, what advice would you give to a marriage that's in that situation? So three words, and then I'll kind of unpack what those look like. Grace, mm. space, and communication. With the grace piece, I, I, I almost 
because I'm a pastor, I, I have to rhyme a couple of right. words, right? So, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I, I, I really actually like the word empathy more so than grace. I was watching, a, I, did, I signed up for a free training by John Acuff. He's an author, entrepreneur. And the training was about overcoming overthinking. And he was talking about empathy and this idea of when you really feel empathy and in a relationship, do I care about what Ginger cares about? And if I care about that, am I going to act on that? And so like asking questions, you know, cause, cause in, in the midst of a quarantine pandemic, you really spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And sometimes I know, I, I know in Boston, because we've been there, houses in Boston are not spread out like they are in the Midwest where we are. Right. So even, even when you, when you've got kids and everybody's in the same house and you're trying to find space Am I making sure that I care about what you care about? Mm. And am I asking those questions? Second thing with space, I feel this because I am, I, I'm very much a social extrovert. So I have no problem always being in the same room with Ginger, with people that I love. But when you are cooped up and can't get out, mm -hmm. sometimes those people that you love the most get on your nerves. And so like, I would encourage couples create space, even if you're sharing the same space. Yeah. So it's okay to put your AirPods on and listen to music or watch something on your phone or computer or just play a game. Now, obviously when you bring kids into the mix, somebody has to be on to be the goalkeeper and so you have to figure that out. You right. have to figure that dance out. And but but also but just it's okay to to say, listen, I just need space. Maybe even walking, just yeah. going for a walk. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a walk. I'll be back. I'm gonna take a drive. Whatever that looks like. And then communication. This is an important one from the sense of when you are 24/7 with somebody nobody's perfect. We all have annoying habits. We all have things that get on each other's nerves. When you can't get away from that, mm -hmm. the communication can become passive aggressive. It can become very loud nonverbals, you know, whatever that is. Being proactive in that communication to be able to say, hey, listen, I I'm just like, I'm, I'm up to here or I, I need space or I, today's just not a day where I'm feeling myself. So I'm asking for grace. Mm. It's not you. It's not whatever, but I just, I just need you to know I'm not feeling myself today and, and almost being proactive in that communication instead of reactive. Yeah. So those would be the three things that kind of off the top of my head come out. I appreciate the things you said for space are things you can do in a two bedroom apartment with zero square feet. A right. lot of people are experiencing in Boston. I mean, me and my wife, we have a son and two bedrooms. So it feels weird to say, I'm going to go hang out in our son's room or our bedroom. Cause it's the only yeah. space we get, but you have to sometimes, you know, or yeah. you, you just have to figure out the way that that works. And so, yeah, I appreciate just, 
giving options of things for couples to do, especially in small confined spaces where you can't just go to the backyard or go upstairs or go to the basement or whatever it might be. Yeah. I know we have obviously seen some cool things happen. We've seen vaccines start to roll out. So I'm saying all that to say, hopefully there's an end in sight. There's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel that this is not going to, to go on forever. I'm holding my breath that it's done by baseball season because I'm a huge Red Sox fan. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm I'm just holding out for it. But I, I'm just curious what you would encourage couples to do when they catch themselves kind of falling back into the patterns where there's not communication or they don't know how to ask for space. There's a lack of empathy, work stress on top of all the other just kind of cultural stress that's happening. There's just so much going on. So what would you say to couples who are struggling kind of with the three things that you just mentioned that we need to give in kind of a marriage relationship? I I don't think there's an easy answer for any of Mm. that. I think it's just like walking in our relationship board. It's just like walking in your job and everything that you hate about your job. It's like you to be confident about what it looks like specifically, what it, what, what are my nonverbal messages? What kinds of conversations do we have? What's my attitude? What, what are my thoughts and my feelings when I'm doing my best and almost painting like a center block visual in your mind of like, I'm going to get myself centered. And I know that in my center space, I have to keep my thoughts positive. I have to keep my anxiety and my restlessness and the boredom and the high level frustration that I'm feeling. I have to manage that. And, you know, so I think practically what that looks like is, first of all, you have to have some privacy and some Mm -hmm. peace to evaluate that, to even know it. So some of those mindfulness exercises that just ask you to take some inventory here, what's going on and deal accordingly. So if my narrative, if I've paused for a moment and I'm checking in with myself and I'm trying to catch, what am I thinking about? What emotion am I feeling? You know, and I, I find myself focusing on negative and I, the feelings of hopelessness and feeling so frustrated that you can't see the end of this, or my nerves are just so stinking shot because I can't get out, you know, yeah. and paying attention to that. And, dealing with it, addressing it. You can't solve the problem if you're just numbing up and ignoring everything and disconnecting from your thoughts and your feelings and not knowing why your actions are what they are. Even for myself, there are some new rhythms Mm -hmm. that I have created. So I'm not a reader and regrettably so, but like during the first of quarantine, I mean, I, I was reading. Right. And it was life-giving to me. And it was not, at that time, we were headed into the, the, the heart of the race reckoning that was happening. And, and so I was, I was being intentional and in even reading historically those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, hang on to some of those new rhythms, mm-hmm. like yoga. I, I'm sure people that before a pandemic would have never done yoga, they're probably like, oh man, downward dog is like all day long for me. I, I don't even know. That, I don't do yoga. Yo- I don't do yoga. No, no. I, I always, I just randomly drop it into downward dog. It's, <laughs> no, I, in my head, I'm great at yoga. Um, <laughs> right. when, I, when I have to do it, I'm not. But in my head, right. I love yoga and I'm right. like, 
I mean, downward dog for me is if I drop something from the fridge <laughs> and I bring down to pick it up. Like that's, but, but I, I think, I think we have all figured out some new rhythms that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in our, in a, in a relationship, I think that idea of keeping the space. Mm-hmm. So when the vaccine is fully out there and, and things start opening up and life comes back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Right. I think being intentional about that space now outside of my house mm. and the spouse being able to say, I'm good with that. Cause I would say we all probably had somewhat of that kind of a space before the pandemic and we're craving that again whatever that looks like. And so just making sure we're intentional in that. I love that. I really appreciate some of those thoughts. I did want to follow up out of curiosity, your idea of kind of numbing thoughts and feelings and avoiding our emotions or not being willing to engage with what we're thinking and how we're feeling. What are some ways that you see people doing that? What are are some maybe like coping mechanisms or people using to avoid feeling their feelings in this moment or acknowledging how they're feeling in this moment. I mean, you've got the super negative ones. There's, you know, drinking, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of marijuana smoking going on. Mm -hmm. I think just using some kind of a substance to help you disconnect. There are obviously issues. Um, But I think if you're not struggling with addictions issues, I think isolation, Mm. if you are locked up in a room, if you're taking seven hour showers, if you're reading and getting lost in it, if you're binge watching and it's just hours and hours, I think those are numbing activities. Mm. And I I think that the nature of this beast is that we've only got a few things that we can do. And so it's hard to navigate. Am I numbing up here or am I avoiding boredom? You know? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about coping skills in like a therapy setting, you go through use your mindfulness what's going on what is your thinking what are your emotions and you've got to label it and you got to adjust the thinking and then with anxiety you know you've got to figure out what is it do that all those questions socratic questioning what if mm-hmm. that happens what if that happens what if that happens there's all that the work that has to do has to be done and then at some point it just happens and you don't need to assess it over and over now you're trying to distract yourself and i think that that's what managing emotions is difficult doing in a pandemic because I don't know, am I numb enough or am I trying to deal with boredom? Right. Yeah. Cause it's easy to get bored and dive into the net Netflix binge watching. And yeah. it's also easy to do that because you don't want to feel what you're feeling. And so again, I don't think it's an easy answer. It's a, it's carving out either daily or every, depending on your anxiety level daily or every couple of hours, just carving out some an intentional time to pay attention to what am, what am I doing today? I would wager that there's probably people that will hear this and think to themselves, I don't know if I am numbing or avoiding or yeah. trying not to feel my feelings. And yeah. so just having some practical things like those questions to ask through and yeah. being willing, even just in your own conscience in your own mind to to ask the question okay what am what am i feeling and why am i feeling it maybe um, a trick to do instead of pushing yourself to ask what am i thinking and what am i feeling might be more like hey what was my day like 
what was the morning like for me? How about that phone call home with my parents? Or what was that interaction with the kids? And allowing yourself to just reflect on what happened. And it almost like kind of starts it up. You know, if I had a meeting and I get off the Zoom meeting and I run in and watch Netflix with Russ for a little bit and I'm numbing up. And then when I go to bed, my mind starts reeling. Like that's kind of the time to pay attention. Gotcha. Thank you. I think I think the other thing, too, is going back to when I was talking about empathy, I think we have to have empathy with ourselves because Mm -hmm. this is this is our first pandemic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) None of us know how to navigate a pandemic because we've never done it before. Right. So empathy with ourselves, recognizing the feels and then making sure I'm just not completely shutting myself off from it. It's easy to forget that we're in a pandemic. I mean, it's been a year and it just, it feels kind of normal now, yet at the same time, there's still multiple stressors that we have never experienced up until this point because we're in a pandemic. And given empathy to yourself, I think a lot of us could be a lot better at that, especially in this season. I do wanna shift gears just for a few minutes and ask, I was wondering, obviously reunion is not entirely married couples. We also have singles and I, I hate, I, I know it's not right to categorize singles because I understand singleness is a spectrum. You know, you have people who are single and desiring a relationship, people who are single and have no desire for a relationship, everything in between. So I'm going to hopefully everyone who listens will give me grace and empathy. <laughs> the first thing we just empathy. talked about. That's right. <laughs> for this because I'm going to kind of create a couple broad categories of singleness just to, for the sake of time, give us a chance to talk through some of those. But if we had someone who would say, I'm single, but I want to be in a relationship, but at the same time, obviously COVID is not the greatest time to try to start and give life to a new relationship. And then you also have someone who's single and says, I'm totally fine being single. I am totally fine being by myself. What advice would you give to those two kind of people beyond? I mean, like I said, we've talked a lot about marriage and obviously as you guys hosting our marriage retreat, that's kind of the bulk of what we're going to talk about. But also know that there's people that are going to listen to this that are on that kind of singleness plane and have those questions and are curious what this season should look like for them. So what advice would you give those two kind of broad categories of singles? I think my first piece of advice isn't to the single people. It would be to your church community. Mm. And that those are the people that need checking on and need included. Mm. And I think, you know, if we're talking about podcasts and having your church family listening to it, I think that's where I would start is, Hey, Do you have people in your small group? Do you have people down the street? Do you have staff members? Do you have family members who don't live with somebody? Then then you need to be reaching out to them. You need to be checking in on how, because the isolation is awful. Mm -hmm. I think that in my caseload and in my social group, my favorite people that I'm hanging out with right now are two single women. And one of them is is totally just pushing her luck and wearing a mask and just getting out there. And the other one is riddled with anxiety and, mm-hmm. and staying home and hiding. And I think that the isolation is 
just mentally exhausting. And you, it's pretty easy in the middle of the pandemic to get to that hopeless place and hopeless leads to despair and despair is, is a terrible place to be. And so I think my, I think reaching out to those people and then if you're craving relationships, say yes and don't fall into those categories like you were talking about. If you have a small yeah. group of, of couples who are saying, hey, come join us, this is not the time to say, I don't think I'll fit in because I'm not married. Like, no, you accept an invitation if it's given to you and you're lonesome and craving that. And I think that you're absolutely right. I can't even explain to you the nightmare situations that I'm reading about and I'm hearing about of people trying to online date right now. Yeah. Just people's best version of themselves are not what's out there yet. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it has to be your self-talk, your value, connecting with online communities, you know, get in a book club, share a podcast, start listening to books online or listening to podcasts online and do discussion groups. Mm -hmm. Yahtzee turns out Yahtzee is a game. There's like a, a gazillion dice game that you can play. Mm -hmm. They're not the most exciting, but it is better than reruns, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think really spiritually speaking, my heart, and it's because some of my favorite people are single, mm -hmm. but my heart is just like, this is not a, this is not the time to start looking and evaluating whether your future is so filled with hope or not. Your hopelessness, if you are alone and don't want to be it, your hopelessness gets pretty dark. Right. And this is not what that's about. You are, you are valued. You are, your value has not changed. This isolation is going to pass. <laughs> it's not because of you. I think that's, that's probably a good thing for most people in this kind of cultural moment, single and married to hear is that, cause it's definitely something that I'm, I'm sure people's value is being waged war on and, and they're yeah. feeling a lot of those feelings and experiences. And yeah, I obviously our hope is not to, I know a lot of churches, many churches kind of make singleness feel like, like the goal is to be married. Yeah. And that's not, that's not the that's hope. Not it. I think the yeah. hope is that we can be a church made up of, very diverse, single, married, dating, all kinds of relationships and people. And I think the bigger call of reminding us as the church to be the church is a very significant reminder in this moment. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. All right. One, one last question. And I want to shift something fun to end on. What is your favorite socially distanced quarantines, whatever it is, date that you have done that you would recommend for any couple? I, I mean, I can't even answer that, that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we both were talkers. Mm -hmm. Like that's that is one of the ways that we connect with each other. And so for us, I would say like cook a meal together. Okay. And then talk about what's the first trip that we want to really do that wasn't just a survival, but something so that you like that's what's something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And then spend a little time reflecting. The last year has been crazy, but what have been like two highlights that have just been really good in the last year. Okay. So that, that, that I, was probably pretty lame, but. I'm uh, open confession. I'm very glad you said that 
me and my wife emily we look up they have them on pinterest or etsy or all over the place questions that married couples should ask and they range from from like what what's your favorite what's your dream vacation spot to what's one regret you have that you didn't fulfill in high school i mean it's just kind of all over but and we love them and we learn about each other more and more each time we ask them but every time i tell people about them they look at us like we're crazy like who asks uh, questions over and over again <laughs> i guess we do it's, it's it's i mean it's it's so good and now like the cooking together that might be a nightmare for some right. but yeah i just think i think the talking the planning just that idea of having something to look forward to putting it on the calendar whatever but but yeah i we we love asking each other questions so on the opposite side of the spectrum i had dinner with my mom and she was talking about my grandmother and my great grandmother and the way they used to dance in their kitchen and things and mom mentioned the charleston and i am by myself in a room on youtube looking at the charleston trying to learn the steps how to do it and i was like this is stupid that i'm doing this by myself russ would totally dance with me but it's you know, like not everybody would be into that. I'm not even sure I would be into that, but I think that would be a fun way to like, okay, date night, we're going to YouTube a few dance moves and learn them. Nice. That's a, that is a good idea. That's a really yeah. cool idea. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate this conversation. It's been fantastic. And I'm just hopeful and prayerful that it encourages people at reunion who dive in and engage. And I want to just one more time say that we are extremely blessed that you are both willing to invest your time for people at reunion. I'm just really grateful that you would take time to record a podcast and be with us again at the marriage retreat. I know reunion is very blessed to have connection to you both and have your wisdom kind of poured into some of the families and singles here at reunion. So I'm very grateful for that. In our show notes, we're going to have links to a few discussion questions for people in their life community, their family, or their roommate, or their spouse, or whoever it might be, can listen to this podcast and discuss together. Because our hope is that this podcast is not just something people listen to, but actively engage with and use it to engage others around them. And we're not here to get famous, but we always ask people to like and subscribe and comment on the podcast just stuff that helps us make a better podcast so we can be better formed in the way of Jesus. And if you have thoughts or questions, something that you're struggling with, we'd love to discuss that here on the podcast. Let us know. You can email podcast at reunionboston.com and we'll plan some of those for the next few weeks. And I want to give one more plug to sign up for the marriage retreat. It is completely free. You'll hear more from Russ and Ginger. My wife and I have gone to the marriage retreat every year that we've been at reunion and I would actually say we have a, I would, I hope we have a very healthy marriage, but the retreat, it just always kind of opens our eyes of ways that we can be healthier and we can grow together. And we're really grateful for that. So sign up, text marriage to 617-415-4466. And you'll hear back from someone shortly. And I just want to say thanks again for listening. And I hope that we are being formed together. Mm -hmm.